0: Future Hacker Life Path Future. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Future Hacker. I'm your host Maria Taiji, and today we are talking to Shirag Jatani. Shirag is a co-founder and COO at the Diamante Blockchain. As a leader. He has a history of successfully energizing teams spanning end-to-end operations, engineering, global trade, and finance to ignite businesses transformations. He embraces new challenges, leveraging a broad background in leading multiple businesses across different industry sectors such as diamonds, fintech, jewelry, and pharma. Hi Shirag, it's so great to have you with us today. How are you doing?
1: Hi, Maria. It's nice to be here on your podcast and greetings to all the future Hacker listeners. I'm doing very good.
0: Thank you. Awesome. Let's begin. So today we have this super, super interesting topic. We're talking about diamonds, blockchain, fintech. So it's a lot to cover. Let's begin with your story. So what made you get involved in your current project? What's this all about? And what are you trying to solve?
1: So a quick up background about myself. So I'm an engineer by background with my masters from Germany, Post to which I was working on a couple of things. Initially, I started working with my family's diamond business. So we have been in business since past three generations and we conduct global trade on a daily basis. Alongside that, I was also working with my current CTO on a banking project where we were the first ones to implement intra-bank, Trade Finance remittance Implementation between ICICI Bank in India and Emirates NBD. So the idea was very clear and through the experience I had working with my family's business that global trade had various pain areas particularly in terms of payments and finance whenever you're trying to contract uh, global payments or get finance for your businesses and I started discussing it with my industry partners that we had and through a similar platform, I met my current co-founder, Dinesh Patil. He's based out of Lenoxa, the Midwest area in US, and it ultimately struck us that we should commercialize the idea of implementing blockchain in the global trade, particularly with the payments and finance. And back in early 2018, uh, we incepted diamond blockchain. That's how we ended up from a traditional diamond and jewelry business to uh, the blockchain business.
0: Got it. Thanks for the background. So I'd like to get a better understanding of, you know, your solution. Because you told me that, you know, you're basically integrating, if I understood it right, you're integrating the, you know, regular banks' account transactions to cryptocurrency. And and so you're putting everything together in one platform. So my first question to you Getting banks interested in integrating with you and the integration process per se must have been quite a challenge, right? Especially when it comes to, to, to safety. So, which were the main challenges? And I'm curious. So, you're from India. Which countries do you currently work with? Because I know that it's an international solution. You're integrated with the U.S., you mentioned to me. What are your expansion plans?
1: Sure. So I would like to give a more perspective on our journey and ultimately answering your question as well. So the first thing after we incepted a Blockchain was we created Diamond net, that is our proprietary blockchain solution which is FBA consensus mechanism which allows a pseudonymous architecture that is a public and private partnership because when you start working with the banking institution or financial services providers across multiple geographies. The banks would like to have the network as private as possible due to the high risk of the financial transactions and ultimately as users, it may be businesses or individuals, they want the network to be as decentralized as possible. And that is the whole concept of blockchain and why cryptocurrencies are so much popular these days. So the idea was quite clear and we started speaking with multiple individuals within the banking sector and we built a very strong advisory team where we have uh, the executives from leading banks designing our architecture and that led us to develop our payment solution that's called pay circle which allows individuals and businesses to securely custody almost six fiat currencies starting from us dollars canadian dollars british pound japanese yen euro so this Assets can be easily custodied as soon as the user opens an account with us, and the custody of US dollars within our application is FDIC insured. So speaking about the integration on the banking side, it has been quite challenging because there have been other tech stacks, particularly on the blockchain and the banking integration, for example, like Ripple, uh, with their X Rapid platform where they utilize XRP as an asset to transfer value across borders and domestically as well and they had faced multiple challenges in terms of compliance because whenever you are transferring value you need to be very sure about how the compliance comes into the play so we were quite aware of that fact and that is the reason the system that we designed is a bit different from what they were doing I would say a lot different from what they are doing and that's how we are able to partner with financial institutions across different geographies so what we do is we integrate the direct banking apis with our systems and we replicate those banking apis and the transactions that happen within our application onto our blockchain ledger which ultimately allows us to transfer value in a real short time and it is 24 7 365 days accessible to the users as well as users have a real-time visibility of the funds as all the transactions are being tracked onto the ledger. So now talking a bit more about Diamond and Net and how we utilize blockchain as a core tech stack within the payment rails that we have built. So Diamond and Net has a digital asset associated with it. It's called DM, D-I-E-M, which is a pure utility token slash coin, which allows us to track the transactions by utilizing the DMs within our application stack so it has multiple utilities within our ecosystem and that is the reason that we are able to trace the transactions and we are able to achieve high speeds with the transaction. But I would highlight the fact that we don't utilize actual asset to conduct the transaction as some of the peer competitors have been doing and that's how different we are. And that is the reason we have been getting a lot of acceptance within the uh, banking network currently that we have built. So the main focus for the market that we would be serving is United States at this point of a time, and we would be expanding our verticals to the European region, the Asian region, as we keep on building the technological infrastructure within our company.
0: Great uh, background. Thank you for that. Um... And without uh, wanting to get too specific about it, and and then we're moving on to to different topics. But, you know, I'm curious, as I understand that you're currently just uh, with the US, but you do have this expansion plan. But currencies, as much as you have like the the global side of payment solutions that are pretty much the same, you still have some specificities within the markets. And um, I think India is a great example, as it's very common in India to use cash on delivery practice, which you, you don't have in many other countries. So how do you approach your specificities or you're not planning to get specific? Are you planning to just address the you know, more common transactions?
1: So uh, when you talk about cash on delivery transaction, so that is something that can be implemented in multiple geographies. But you have to be very careful about the fact that the operational cost it increases for any company. In geographies like India or any South Asian countries, the manpower and the labor is very cost-effective. And that is the reason they can to an approach of, of cash on delivery transactions because the process are managed quite cost-effectively. And when we talk about any e- e-commerce players within the market, so they have that feasibility. But we as a company, we are quite focused on building an infrastructure that is very cost-effective in terms of payments. So, when we talk about uh, countries that are developing, like India, Brazil, so th- those are all upcoming markets and that is the reason there are lots of imports and exports going on with the businesses. The individuals are working in different geographies where they are transferring money back to their family or friends or even to their home country. So what we offer as a solution, for example, uh, when you talk about uh, payment giants like PayPal, they almost charge 3% of fees for conducting any business transaction or individual transaction. And where we come into the play is when a user gets onboarded onto the PayCircle ecosystem and they want to transfer funds, we charge a flat fee of just $3. So that becomes very cost-effective and you don't have to wait for days or weeks for your funds to be received by the counterparty, it might be your friends and family, so it is... Everything is happening within split second, that is, our transactions are being closed within two to four seconds. And currently, we support 7,500 transactions per second, uh, which can be easily scaled up to a million transactions per second, just by increasing the, instance of the instances of the server as we keep on building. So the payment rails for the developing nations are very important, but that is a challenge as well. And back to your previous question, like, When you talk about banking institutions in the developing countries and how the government are railing up their policies, that's why for a company like us, we definitely want to serve those markets, but it gets difficult to work within the policy regimes and also the compliance part. It's not that difficult to do that, but it takes a longer time. And as a company, if we want to survive the initial phase where we create the value for the company, so that it can ultimately support us to reach out to different geographies and markets which are very needful for a product like this. And that is the reason we have chosen U.S. as a key geography. And definitely, as we keep on building, the geographies like Brazil and India are a very key strategic market where not only we as a company would be benefiting, but also the businesses and individual utilizing our services would be benefiting out of it. And I would like to specifically mention that the reason that we want to pass away the benefits to our users is that we have faced the same pain areas. And that is the reason we developed Diamond Table Auction as a company to address those pain areas. So our focus is quite clear to offer a product that is quite cost-effective, quite transparent, with a dramatically increased speed so that people don't have to worry about it. Even today, when you compare it with any other industry sector. For example, like if you talk about the automobile industry, particularly how Ubers have changed the way we ride. So you are always in control of, of your Uber. Like you can order it anytime, you can get it, you can book a an Uber anytime. Everything is on your fingertips and you have a hundred percent transparency on it. So we would like to bring the same kind of transparency for the payments world and the finance world. And that's what we have been successfully trying to achieve and we have been achieving that, it's just a matter of a few years until when we serve the global market and ultimately make our users and potential customers very happy about it.
0: Got it. Thank you. So, Chirac, I'd like to move to the blockchain and cryptocurrency aspect of your solution. Okay. So, one of the main blockchain issues that is discussed today is the negative impact on the environment due to the mining process, which is very energy consuming, right? So you mentioned that you have this green blockchain. So how's, how's that?
1: Very enthusiastic to answer this question because I have also a very big concern about how much energy has been being utilized for mining operations for various cryptocurrencies slash digital assets that are currently out there in the market. So I would like to give a bit more perspective about what exactly is the green blockchain. So basically green blockchain is a synonym of an energy efficient blockchain technology. So what it does is it disregards the concept of mining and the requirement of hardware and a higher energy consumptions. So previously, we have seen various consensus mechanism like proof of mining and a lot of energy being utilized for that. And you have a requirement of high-end servers, the mainframes, and the consumption goes very high. And that's what we have changed with diamond blockchain as we have evolved outside the legacy consensus mechanism where we don't need to conduct mining activities. Our assets are pre-mined. So it is more robust eco-friendly with a lower fees of handling the transaction and this we have achieved by implementing PBFT algorithm so just talking more about that the implementation lies on the fundamental of staking and pre-mining as i previously mentioned so you don't have to worry about uh, conducting mining activities and that is ultimately how the energy efficiency comes into the play and what we do is that with our asset the asset act as a rewarding mechanism and an anti-spamming method for consensus and validating the transaction so lesser energy consumption and minimal hardware requirement ensures higher throughput and faster processing of transaction and that's our ultimate goal to make the world more greener and more efficient on the carbon footprint certain blockchains have been producing
0: Okay, it's great to know that, you know, this industry is trying to move towards a path of being less impactful to the world as blockchain is growing. It's a super important topic to cover, right? So you're integrating, as we mentioned before, you're integrating cryptocurrency transactions to the, you know, regular financial transactions. So, you know, what the crypto part be accepted by like the governments depending on where i live would it be legal for me to be using that or is like just a regular asset would it be considered like something that it's for being international something outside my my local legislation how how does it work
1: i think it is a very important question to be asked and i'm pretty much sure that a lot of people have these questions in their mind and A lot of crypto enthusiasts, or crypto gurus, or even regulatory advisors uh, to the governments, they are still not clear of this answer, but I would like to throw my personal perspective according to the industry experience that we have gained up till now, and we keep a very close watch on the compliance part of it, because as a company, for us, it is important to follow each and every compliance. And that's what our forte is, that we want to do business activities under regulations. We don't want to do anything out of regulations. So there are certain geographies that have successfully created a regulatory framework for cryptocurrencies or digital assets. And what we have seen is, for example, countries like Japan, South Korea, Germany, Switzerland, they have all embraced cryptocurrency part of it. And they are considering cryptocurrency as an asset. So just going a bit more technical on how the governments and the regulatory bodies are thinking about it. So whenever there is a cryptocurrency, you have to think about two aspects of it, and that is whether it's a utility or a security. So if an asset falls under a security regime, they have to follow the security compliance for that local government. It would be considered as an asset class and if it is utility you don't have to follow the security compliance and you can get an exemption from the local government or the regulatory body so we know for the fact that this has been happening in various geographies I am very sure about it because we as a company we have our subsidiary in Switzerland that is called dm node gmbh you can look our website it's called dm so we have successfully received a no action letter from finma that is a swiss financial market supervisory authority stating that dm our digital asset is a pure utility based token slash coins with multiple utility functions within our ecosystem so there are various doubts within the people's mind whether it would be legal to buy a cryptocurrency, to invest in the cryptocurrency where the government would be supporting it or not because certain governments have also banned the cryptocurrency usage. They have stopped people from mining the asset, for example, countries like China. So it is a very unclear environment, but as an individual, I think the regulations are near the corner, it's going to come, and it is in a good faith of all the individuals out there in multiple geographies that regulation comes as soon as possible because to have a clear set of mind whenever you are purchasing cryptocurrency or digital asset from your local country that helps a lot so you you don't want that somehow the governments would uh, someday just wake up and say that it is banned something what they did in china so i see a positive impact of the regulations on cryptocurrencies and In the very near future, a lot of governments would be embracing it and one of the reasons or the positives from what China had created a negative part about it, there are certain countries that are embracing Bitcoin as a currency. So there are a lot of possibilities of it, but I personally believe that cryptocurrencies would don't replace the fiat currencies that countries have and it, it shouldn't be done that way it would be considered as an asset class and not as in currency because we know for the fact that various government bodies have been trying to introduce CPTCs, that is central bank digital currencies, and that says a lot about how the governments are thinking about regulating the market as well. There are various countries that are all already in the later stage, like countries like China, US, in developing that owns central bank digital currencies. And as we embrace blockchain as individuals, businesses and on the government level as well, in the next five to 10 years, you would see a change of the transactions or to be precise, you would see a change how people conduct their transactions, particularly utilizing blockchain as in core infrastructure. So there is a lot of things that are happening and that is something really positive about the industry and that says a lot about where the industry is leading to.
0: Okay, thank you so much for the explanations, Shirag. We're getting to the end of this episode, but stay tuned, everybody. On the second episode with Shirag we are talking about the diamond marketplace. So make sure you listen to that. Stay tuned, everyone. Future Hacker Life Path Future